Well, that's it for the Power Up Show. We've just finished now, and it was a special edition, the Power Up Show Entrepreneur Edition. Um, and I had David... Uh, Macaulay? Macaulay. I was going to call you McIntyre for some reason. <laughs> Glad <laughs> maybe, that you can remember my name. <laughs> maybe it's a kilt that gave it away. <laughs> Uh, David on the show with me. David, now you and I have been chatting for some time and we felt that there could be a hole in the market in terms of strategies from conceiving an idea and bringing it to the market. And that's really what we're doing with the special edition show. Absolutely. There's lots of lots of people have really good ideas, but the opportunity to really ideate them and really pressure test those ideas uh, with uh, a level of confidence um, and also to give uh, our listeners uh, the bravery to actually do it. You mentioned something now. You said a lot of people have really good ideas. And we've just spoken to Stephen Chapman from Shine Plus. And on paper, when you do listen to the interview, on paper, that was a bad idea, right? That was a shocker. In fact, um, I did see it before it came to market. Oh, did you? And what was uh, your impression? <laughs> and I, uh, I was, I hate to say it, I was a no-sayer, but... Uh, Steve has uh, managed to uh, prove me wrong. Uh, my background is obviously in, in that whole retail buying piece. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, man, uh, that's hard yards. But, you know. Three years later, 5, minimum amount of sleep. Yeah, it's amazing. It's an amazing journey. And I think it's a testament to the fact that uh, no idea is actually a bad idea unless you allow yourself to think of, okay, yes, I mean, there are bad ideas. I get that. Yes. <laughs> But if you don't give it a real good crack, you're never actually going to know what the results are. And this is just an amazing result. That's the thing. And I think the I think through uh, your a journey, you've really got to talk to as many people as you possibly can. And you've really got to get some people on your side mm-hmm. um, to give you a, a deep insight into the market, particularly if you don't have it. And most importantly, what I've certainly discovered over my journey is that even if you are deeply embedded in a market, you don't know it from all angles. Mm. So it's important to get the various uh, points of view. If you're a retail buyer, you don't know what it's like to be a supplier. If you're a supplier, you don't Mm. know what it's like to be a consumer. If you're a consumer, you don't know what it's like to be a retailer. And if you're yeah. a warehouse guy, you don't know what it's like to be any of those things. <laughs> yeah. You just know the stressful phone call going, you didn't deliver, where is my stock? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I've been on that side of the conversation before. Um, look, the conversation with Steve was quite interesting. I did like his cheeky nature and what his vision board looked like and make sure to, to listen near the end of the podcast for the little stunt that he pulled in which I 100% didn't do. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, a, that, was, that was really cheeky. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on board with what he did. I just feel like that was bloody awesome. Um, But you know what? It's off to the podcast and do give us feedback and ask any questions that you have for us. Welcome to the Power Up Show, the Entrepreneur Edition with David McCauley, who's an early stage growth accelerator specializing in FMCG and technology. Technology, I'm Mia, and uh, my co-host Paul, who you would all be familiar with, has been fired. So sorry about that, Paul. Maybe we'll let you back. But (laughs) Dave, welcome. Today you're going to be joining us on this special edition, and I think we're going to make it once a month. Yes, I think so. Thanks for having me, Mia, after our conversation a couple of weeks ago, and uh, to come on board your show. It's just been fantastic and uh, yeah any opportunity to talk sales for me that's you know (laughs) that's what i want to do paul never lets me do it so it was a great opportunity to get rid of him (laughs) 
<laughs> well, not just to help you, Mia, but a whole bunch of listeners out there who might have a dream that they want to chase. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, Dave, you and I are going to be talking to somebody very special today. and It's a very exciting conversation and it's something potentially I didn't even realise was happening in the background. Do you just want to tell us who we're going to be speaking to today? Yeah, thanks, Mia. So we're going to be chatting with uh, Steve Chapman. So Steve um, is the CEO of a, of a company called Shine Plus and so they're a, a essentially an energy drink business and Steve's been kicking into that space now for about three years thereabouts. Really, really good guy. He's been um, from the ground up in terms of the entrepreneur land he's got very very involved from you know the early stage startup of ideation and then moving it through into commercialization so he's done a particularly good job um, in a particularly tough market yeah and he's also had a number of craps cracks at really trying to get a business up and running so he's going to talk us through that journey today yes he certainly is he uh, he's he's been there done that so we thought for our sales edition entrepreneur special it's uh, it's a good idea to bring a, a true entrepreneur into into the into the into the audience with the power up show the special entrepreneur edition with me myself and David McCauley and we were talking a little bit about Stephen Chapman and shine plus welcome Stephen from shine how are you Good, thanks. Thanks for being and having me. Thank you. What made you decide to create a product like Shine, uh, the healthy alternative energy drink, and enter into a really competitive market? On paper, Steve, that seems like a really bad idea. <laughs> um, yeah, I think for me, it's uh, scratching a personal itch with, I guess, a product that I would actually consume. Um, we don't really use the word energy drink much, but it's around how do we get more out of our minds, how do we stay productive most of the day, and for us being kind of health conscious, it was, you know, I don't want something that's full of sugar, artificial flavors or sweeteners or uh, additives. And it was like, okay, well, is there natural ingredients out there that could actually help with mental performance and health? And has anyone put that out beforehand? And thankfully no one had it. The entrepreneur uh, spirit of, of myself and Sam kind of kicked off and we thought we'd get into it. Hi, Steve. It's Dave here. So good to good to hear your voice again. It's been a while since we've uh, last hooked up and had a bit of a chat, but it's, uh, it's good to have you on the show. Thanks, mate. Good to see. Yeah, so um, bringing, getting into that idea land, I mean, that's a pretty tough space to go. I mean, how did you, how did you, what was going, running through your mind? I mean, was it, a, was it a bad dream in the middle of the night? Was it just something that you've been kicking around in, your back, in the back of your mind for a couple of months? Talk, talk, take me on that journey about how you actually sat down and really thought about this. And I know you realize you've, you've, you've already related that you've, you've, you had this concept around, um, a better for you, get more out of your mind type of concept. But how did you, how did you bottle that literally? <laughs> um, well, I think we borrowed some thinking from, I guess, the Silicon Valley lean startup, where instead of having a great idea and I guess you know sitting on it for two years, you're trying to build it out perfectly and then launch in a big way. You know, we tried to just get down to what's the very core assumption of the business. Okay, we need a drink to enhance mental performance with evidence-backed ingredients and natural low sugar and then we go how do we make that as quick as possible and get it into market so then people can start voting with their wallets if they liked it or not and for us that was you know starting with the research of again what's actually scientifically based and then we started mixing it up literally in our kitchen sink and then we started working with some smarter people than us around you know making sure it tastes nice and then literally started online we just tested it within our circles and facebook marketing and email marketing and thankfully it sold out uh, straight away online and then we thought okay we can now invest you know a little bit more dollars into the next line and the next manufacturing run so it wasn't a huge risk and kind of you know bet the house on it to start with it was how do we get to market as quick as possible test the assumptions in the business and then use i guess product feedback from customers to fuel our 
innovation cycles going forward. Steve, you mentioned to me that you and your business partner, Sam, uh, decided right at the beginning that sleep was probably a luxury while you were doing this and <laughs> you implemented a six-hour sleep cycle. Do you just want to talk us through that? Because I quite that found that quite fascinating. The, the reason yeah. I've only got one kid is because I need my sleep. There is no way I focus <laughs> on, on six hours sleep. <laughs> Yeah, it was um, a, a funny story, and I think in hindsight, probably not the best idea, but uh, there's a concept called uh, polyphasic sleeping, which I'd read about through biohacking kind of books. Uh, and it's this concept where you kind of don't actually have a core sleep. You just have 20-minute naps every six hours. Um, and I thought it was a good idea. I tried it. Your body kind of adapts to it for a period of time. And then uh, a guy who I was chatting with at the time about entrepreneurship called Andrew, he then I convinced him to try it as well and I thought if anyone's crazy enough to do that as well, then uh, he could probably work in the business. So he then joined us and we kind of did that together. So it lasted about six months. So it sounds, Steve, that uh, to be an entrepreneur, you've got to be a little bit crazy. Is that, is that pretty much right? <laughs> uh, we, I think you've got to try something new and be curious enough to see what's on the other side of the, the known. How did you survive that 20-minute sleep for a six-month period? Was it the passion that was driving you to move along? Was it the, the will that you were going to make the product work? Yeah, I think if you're going to do that, you definitely need a lot on your to-do list or else you'd actually end up pretty bored with all the extra hours in the day. Uh, so for us, yeah, there was an endless list of things we wanted to do and it was myself and uh, Andrew just kind of trying to... We pretty much split the business in two parts, sales and marketing, which I was going to handle and then Drew, with no real experience, figured out how to manufacture figure out how to get around the country and into the stores that I was selling into. How, how long was that period from con uh, when you conceived the idea to when you bought it into market? Uh, Sam and I were playing with the idea for probably maybe six months, but from when we actually committed and Andrew joined us, it was five months from idea to launch. That's a pretty quick turnaround. Steve, when we come back, we want to talk to you a little bit about the market that you were looking at because at the time, and we need to rewind three years with this because today we're in a very different market than you were three years ago. At the time, you were introducing a product with a name that very few people even understood, an idea very few people understood. So when we come back from the break, uh, can we talk a little bit about the concept and the phrase Nootropics? Sounds good. Beautiful. You're listening to the Power Up Show, the Entrepreneur Edition with Mia and David, and we have Steve Chapman from Shine Plus on the line with us. Show, uh, the Entrepreneur Edition with Mia and David, and we're speaking to Steve Chapman from Shine Plus. Now, Steve, thanks for holding. I have to ask you this question. What nut job thought that this nootropics word that you were talking about was such a great idea that they thought they'd give you some money? <laughs> um... Well, I think what we did is look at, I guess, market data and kind of figure out, is this a crazy idea or one that could actually work? And as I mentioned before, we kind of tried to limit the risk as much as possible. So I guess we figured out, you know, is there a healthy alternative to something like, you know, an energy drink or a coffee that people rely on every day to kind of get them through the emails or keep them productive? And then we also looked at the trends around, yeah, there is a massive trend towards healthy functional drinks. Things like kombucha, I think, has done a great job of breaking the back of yeah health drinks can be mainstream and then you know if you look at some of the biggest brands in the world like carbonated caffeinated drinks of pepsi and coke and red bull and monster like these are some of the biggest brands in the world uh so people clearly like i guess carbonated caffeinated drinks so as a whole category it's probably good to get into but within that there was a huge opportunity around a nootropic drink which focuses particularly on mental performance and clarity 
Steve, um, in regards to, I just like to wind you back a little bit in terms of the market research. We've got a whole bunch of listeners sitting in cars, driving home, having a maybe have had a tough day at the office with great idea in the back of their head, and they're thinking about, hmm, I'm listening to I'm listening to guys to a guy like to to Steve, and there are a bunch of other people out there as well who who've done what you've done. How do you how would you help them understand what market research actually means, and where do you find the information? So for your energy drink, or your sure your shine, your tropic uh, mindfulness drink, how did you actually, and where did you actually go to find that information? Uh, it's a good question. I think I like to think about it as a project uh, where you know you're coming into this space with potentially no experience, uh, and and that's a risky place to be. You know, sometimes ignorance is bliss, but if you mm. actually don't try and figure out what is real and what's not, uh, you can end up you know falling down some pretty uh, scary places. So you know, we'll try and reach out with actually people who've had ten thousand kind of hours in the space, right? People who've been there, done that who have kind of seen what's happened and what's gone and, and potentially can start predicting what's going to come. Uh, so I think talking to people in the space is always a really good place to start. Um, but also I think look to your own circles around if this is a, a, an idea or a product that's, you know, you're personally passionate about, that's usually a pretty good place to start as well because at least you've always got one customer. Uh, me and Andrew always joked when we started, like, if this all went to crap, at the end of the day, we'd still sit in the warehouse and drink every last product. <laughs> <laughs> or sit in the kitchen sink, as luck would have it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So from a practical point of view, is that um, do you, did you spend a whole bunch of time sitting on Dr. Google or Mr. Google or, or Professor Google and, and dialing up a whole bunch of search questions around to get a, a feel in regards to what people are actually wanting and thinking and doing because in the end as you know every idea is a good idea until the consumer doesn't want to buy it so there's a whole piece around actually pressure pointing and uh, being able to have a reasonably good gauge of whether a consumer is going to buy a product just like yours so how did you actually put it in front of consumers and and ask them the question with relative cheapness because in a startup like your own, money is pretty tight um, and the last thing you want to do is throw a whole lot of money at market research which may or may not tell you the right answer anyway. The right answer always comes from the consumer actually doing what you hope that they will do. So how did you, how did you go about solving that particular problem? Yeah, I think you're spot on there. Um, you know, I have a personal bias against things like, you know, focus groups or customer research before the fact. I think, you know, the famous Henry Ford, if you ask his customer what they wanted, they'll say a faster horse. Um, in the same way, if you're innovating within a new category, it's really on the entrepreneur or the founding team to lead the customer and kind of go, this is actually what you could want. But to your point, try and get it in front of them as soon as possible in a way that they can vote with their wallet, not with, you know, a checkbook or incentivized, um, you know, form or feedback survey, I'll try and get to the minimal viable product or MVP version of the core idea of the business and then get that into paying customers' hands as soon as possible and then actually see are they going to purchase or not. So for Shine, for example, we, you know, we started online because you have such direct feedback with the customer. They, you know, conversion rates, you know, click-throughs on Facebook ads, you know, email sign-ups, open rates. You can track every metric along the way to say, does this message or copy or image resonate with customers or not? And then are they purchasing it? Are they repeat purchasing it? What 
flavor or for, you know, uh, pack size that they buy in. And then you can start using that data to, you know, test it in a bigger way. So then we would go into store and a store that would be, you know, quite familiar with like the local cafe. Yes. And then you can get it on counters there or, or, you know, ask them to do a favor and then you can ask them direct feedback. So I think it's trying to be as close to possible as the data to making sure you're not getting uh, lost information along the way. Steve, we've you, you had another challenge, I believe, that, that you had to deal with three years ago, and this was this phrase, nootropics, that we've been throwing around. Now, I'm guessing that there's probably a number of people in the car going, what on earth are these three speaking about? Because I know I had to do a little bit of research before I spoke to you to understand what that phrase meant. So could you just explain to us what it is and then the process of educating your consumer to understand it more in detail? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, nootropics is, I guess, a very new term to a lot of people, I'd say two to three people uh, out of a hundred might know what it means in Australia. Uh, a good way I've, I like to describe it is a lot of people are familiar now with uh, kombucha as a, as a, yep. as a drink. Uh, kombucha, most people know, have probiotics. Probiotics are good for gut health. Uh, Shine has nootropics, and nootropics are good for mental performance and mental function. So there's a bunch of ingredients that have been used for hundreds of years that people are somewhat familiar with, like ginkgo biloba, turmeric, ginseng, green tea, B vitamins, and we're just the first to kind of package that all up and I guess brand it as a nootropic drink, mm-hmm. uh, which combines these ingredients that have been used you know, in cultures and in societies around the world for hundreds of years for you know, mental performance and, and clarity. Sounds like an ideal drink for uh, for the professional that's on the go that needs to be pretty sharp for that next meeting. <sighs> tell I you, tell you. Day I've had, I should be mainlining it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> by the gallon. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, we've got to uh, clear off some ads and sponsorship, uh, but when we get back, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about uh, the feedback that you were getting from people, all the naysayers that you encountered, and we'd like to just take that journey with you. But for now, we're just going to go to uh, some ad breaks, and we're going to go with Simply Red, Money's Too Tight to Mention. And Steve, I think that's probably something you're probably all too familiar with when you first... You are back with Mia and David on the Power Up Show, the Entrepreneur Edition, and we have Steve Chapman from Shine Plus on the line with us. Steve, thanks so much for holding. Of course. We spoke a little bit about what a good idea is versus a bad idea. Now, who told you when you were going through this process and you did all your market research that, you know... This is a really, this is a bad idea. There's far too much competition in the market. What on earth are you thinking? <laughs> uh, the, the name's uh, probably a bit too long to go on. <laughs> We've only got a short amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, I might have um, been there somewhere, yeah. Steve. <laughs> I'm guessing yeah. more than one person. Yeah, I think when you're starting something new, there's always going to be pushback. And I think it was Gandhi, and I might stuff up the quote, but they said first they ignore you, then they try and fight you, and then they accept you. And I think that's probably a very entrepreneurial line as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. And did you take any feedback on board? Because you would have had friends saying to you, Steve, this is completely insane. What were you thinking? You had a family going, oh, my goodness, I can just see us having to live in a box somewhere. <laughs> You've got the market going, what on earth is Nootropics? Who is this psycho? Um, so what did you do with all the feedback that you were getting from people, good and bad? I mean, you would have had some good, otherwise you wouldn't have continued. Yeah, I think for me, it, it always came down to the customer. And, um, you know, Sam kind of taught me this quite early on where you don't want to try and wrap your ambitions around the market, but let the market wrap its ambition around you. And for me, that was, you know, once I knew we were selling, people loved it. 
would get people writing in saying how much it helped them get through a job interview or an exam, I knew that we had to kind of keep going for the customer. But of course we got buyers who pushed back. We got... Um, how was that experience, Steve? Uh, I think it's always disheartening when you believe in something so much and you know someone else doesn't see that vision. But yeah. for me, I'd come back to, I guess, the customer. And there was a, a famous quote from Teddy Roosevelt as well, which said, I guess, the credit doesn't go to the person, you know, in the cheap seats. In fact, the person in the arena whose face is marred by blood and sweat and tears, that's where the credit goes. And, you know, every naysayer kind of almost fuels the fire as much as it tries to dampen it. Yeah, so it's a pretty tough environment out there to do that um, and keep getting back into the ring every day and with your gloves on, smile on and uh, looking looking pretty chipper. You've got also to complicate things is that in the market where you're in, you've got some pretty heavyweight gorillas that you've got to take on board as well and, and jockey around and position yourself and think about and out-strategize. Can you talk me through that a little bit, Steve, to um, understand what your approach was? Because if you have a misstep here, you could get squashed pretty quickly. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think there were some, you know, larger competitors that did potentially try that early days with, you know, reporting us to food standards or the like. Um, but for me, if you break down, I guess, this large chunk of beverage in Australia, you know, I think uh, energy drinks in Australia, for example, does $1.2 billion. That's a you know, big marketplace. Going after that all at once, and to be honest, I, I'm not too interested going after another Me Too type product. Um, if you think about now in kombucha, for example, there's I think 42 brands that are pitching the big guys now uh, in terms of the retailers, and of course they're only going to take the top one or two in the category. So launching another kombucha company right now doesn't really, you know, is a really good business idea. So I think when you actually go for something quite new, it's a blue ocean you can kind of define the rules and if you think about a buyer or the retailer's perspective they're saying look I need a better for you offering I know I'm get my gut health here with my kombuchas and probiotics but actually something like a brain function or a health drink for the mind that makes a lot of sense it complements each other quite nicely and then suddenly we become an obvious choice instead of one that needs to try and take space from one of these big gorillas so I think we play where no one else is playing and then it becomes a lot easier to get the cut through. Steve, you explained to me uh, when you and I spoke, you, you spoke me through to the fridges that you see in, for example, a convenience store and you explained that really well because the next time I went into a convenience store, I actually had quite a good look at what it looked like and I then understood, hang on, this is why you would be almost getting to the point where you would dominate the market. Do you just want to talk our listeners through what that conversation looked like? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, if you approach any for example, like quite a large petrol convenience chain or retail or convenience store, you know, there's usually like a seven or nine door fridges and you think, wow, it's so competitive, there's so many brands in there, how could you possibly make space? But I think if you break down it from a customer point of view where you think, what are some of the trends here that I think people should be catering for? You know, let's pick three that aren't too hard to imagine is something that customers want, like natural, low sugar and taste good. So it can't be water then. And suddenly you wipe out all the cola doors, all the soft drink doors, all the sports doors, all the fridge doors, all the dairy doors, all the water doors, and you end up with almost one or two shelves that actually cater to those three requirements, which I would say is the fastest growing requirements for any customer right now around natural, low sugar, and taste good. So that's how we kind of look to that, where we go, whilst it seems competitive, you know, looking at nine doors, if you actually boil it down, you think, okay, there's actually not much 
offering here in that customer demographic and do we think that's going to increase or decrease over the next five years and everything's pointing towards you no know, customers want more and more of those requirements and therefore we're playing in a great space that's actually not too competitive. Steve, it's great. Um, thanks for taking us through um, through that. I'd really like to ask you a question because you've got the for a food manufacturer, you've got the typical um, conundrum. You've got the you've got the uh, what's called the double sell. So you've got not only a sell to the consumer, being the consumer or the the um, person who actually eats or drinks a product, but you've also got to uh, view your retailer as your customer. Mm-hmm. Tell me, how did you how did you understand uh, what the retail Retailers were looking for from uh, from their perspective, and then from the point of view of uh, making money and pricing your product, how did you how did you view that part of the world? So, um, did you think, well, I can just set whatever price I like because I'm not a me too. I'm all on my own, and so I can I can take the marketplace by storm, and I can make as much money as I like. But is that really, really what happened, or were you a little bit more circumspect and you really had to figure out what was going on in the retailer's mind um, to see how well your product would be accepted by them and not just the consumer who's, who's the ultimate buyer? Yeah, it's a good question, and yeah, you're spot on. We have a customer who buys it you know, and lets it be in their fridges, for example, and then another one who actually drinks it, the consumer. And we try and do everything more with the consumer in mind because I think end of day, that's also the retailer's job is make sure they've got an offering that consumers are after. But in terms of pricing strategy and things, um, there's a famous, uh, I guess, theory or framework to approach business models called the flywheel, which Jim Collins talks about, where you know you kind of figure out your business model and which levers to push to make sure you can kind of keep growing. And for us, we knew that distribution led to more volume, more volume led to cheaper manufacturing per unit, that led to uh, cheaper RIP, which would lead to increase velocity in store which then you know you can pitch those numbers back to the retailer and then the cycle continues so for us it was figuring out which of those spokes on the flywheel do we want to focus on first and for us it was trying to increase distribution but therefore when we had no distribution the price was yeah a lot higher than what is now we launched initially our shot at six dollars fifty wow in our first stores and it's a hundred mil shot at 650 and you, you kind of go probably not the most economically <laughs> that's, not, that's uh, about, the, about the price of a shot of vodka <laughs> yeah, exactly. and if you're doing price elasticity you kind of go that's probably not the ideal price but you know from day one we still wanted to make money to making sure as volumes increase then we could pass down that to our customers and consumers and that's kind of how we've always modeled it so I think if you have no money to start with then you have no money to support it and you can't build the brand or support it in retailers which therefore they're going to delete you anyway yeah so for me it's all about going let's be true around what our cost is as a startup making sure we can cover our bases from day one and then as we grow we pass that on as we kind of build that flywheel steve you've been on quite a journey from using a kitchen sink which i'm sure went down really really well in the production phase (laughs) to uh quite an interesting success story and you've taken us on that journey with you but when we come back what we'd like to just have a final conversation with to wrap it up is to identify what success looks like because you have mentioned your six months sleep cycle of 20 minutes a shot (laughs) um we now understand a little bit of what's going on in your mind but i think we really at this point need to understand what success looks like and have you reached success so when we come back we're going to have that conversation with steve 
Uh, you're listening to the Power Up Show on a live 90.5 FM. You're listening to Mia and Dave and our special guest, Steve Chapman from Shine Plus. Steve, welcome back after the break. I hope that gave you a bit of time to have a bit of think. Yeah, yeah, good to be back. Um, what do you uh, really now touch on for our listeners who are in their car? Uh, want to touch on uh, what does success like? What does perseverance look like? And probably the biggest, most burning question, would you do it again if you had the chance? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> to start with, I think uh, what success looks like, I guess, and... You know, I've always been fascinated with the idea of, uh, I guess, exporting good ideas from Australia uh, externally. Because if you think about our conditions in Australia with retail, with the cost of goods so high, with labour so high, it's almost quite hard to make the unit economics work in Australia, particularly mm. distribution, getting it across such a landmass with yes. a small population. So if you can actually, and Larry Ellison says this, some people get forged in the fire and some people get burnt in the fire. And if you therefore can survive Australian retail, for us, it's exciting if we can then take this overseas to things like the US, the UK, and uh, other parts of the world because often we borrow good ideas and, and kind of like kombucha or coconut water and some of the other trends in beverage have usually been followed from the US and I'd say globally we're, I'd say, one of the biggest nootropic drinks. So I'm very excited to actually take it uh, external and fly the Aussie flag. So when did you wake up, Steve, and go, actually, this is a success? Or were you still waiting for the day? Uh, yeah, definitely I wouldn't say where we are now is uh, anywhere close to where I think we could be. So by my definition of success, no, we're very much towards the start of our journey than the end of it. Uh, but, you know, I need to be grateful every day for how far we have come. It's been an incredible three years. There's a roller coaster and thankfully more fun times of the roller coaster than the scary times. Talking about fun, Steve. Obviously, through the through an entrepreneur's journey, there's uh, there's ups and downs, swings and roundabouts, and more um, more misdirections than po- than you can possibly poke a stick at. Along the way, um, you've got to recognise um, that you're actually winning. How do you go about that? And what sort of wins do you recognise? Uh, be they small or big? Is it? Do you only celebrate when you get get a listing in Coles, or which I'm sure you did, um, or is it? that celebration for that very first sale to that very first cafe um, a couple of years ago now? Yeah, I think we probably don't do a good enough job of celebrating the win uh, because by the time it kind of happens, I, I think as a team, or at least myself, we've moved on to the next thing. Uh, but, you know, there's some stuff that, you know, myself, Sam and Andrew around the table, you know, three and a bit years ago, you know, dreamt up and thought what would be incredible and what would be you know, where would we love to see this brand? We mocked up images of it on a counter in Caltex or, you know, in the fridges at Woolworths uh, or, you know, someone purchasing it in Coles and buying it out and, you know, seeing that actually in, in real life. And I remember I walked into a coal, a Woolworths in Double Bay in 2017, in February it was. Um, and we obviously weren't ranged in there at the time. And I took my little box of shine and I made some self, uh, shelf space in the fridge and I put it there. And I'm I, sure they were happy with you doing that. Yeah. I took a photo of it and I, and I sent it to the, the buyer and thought it looked pretty good and that was up on the vision board and then, you know, it took two and a half years later to then walk into that same double bay and actually see it there and moments like that are, are a bit surreal and, you know, you kind of pinch yourself and say, look how far we've actually come. We know we've gone from zero to just over 5,000 stores now in three years, which I think makes us one of the fastest 
mm. growing functional beverage companies. Steve, um, you mentioned something there that you had the audacity to go into a store, take over the shelf space, pack what yeah. you needed there, take a photo. My mother, hi mom, who's listening, will probably echo that sentiment when there's been times where she's hung her head in shame thinking, I'm pretty sure I raised you better than this <laughs> when I was starting my business and, and I was going into bookstores, for example, and I was putting these really interesting flyers into books that I knew my target audience would be buying <laughs> I'd be sneaking them into the book so they'd read the book and go this is part of the book I should probably phone this that's, that's pretty cheeky now <laughs> yeah yeah but I think Steve gets it I mean looking back at that is it something you would do again yeah absolutely I think um I think Steve Jobs said it's very hard to look forwards and kind of figure out how these dots are going to connect but looking backwards it, it kind of forms a perfect narrative and for us, where we are today wouldn't change anything to, to where we are. And I think we're in a good spot now to look forward and, and go, yeah, we've built a great foundation. We've got some really awesome customers that are backing us. We've got amazing retail partners that have given us a chance to shine. And now it's about taking that opportunity and, and kind of really trying to reach its potential. How did your friends and family help you along the way, Steve? Obviously, when you're on the journey, it's it's pretty tough. If you've got a if you've got a great partner behind you and or a, a site on your on on your side, it makes it uh, a lot easier to shoulder and get through some of those those hard times. But how did your friends and family support you? Um, I think. You know, massively. I've got a uh, fiance. Actually, we recently got engaged. Oh, congratulations! Thank you, uh, who's Lauren, and she's the most supportive person I could ask for. And um, but to be honest, you know, I think it's more depth of relationships than width. So you don't have time to to go and hang out with some of the old friends that you probably like to, or you don't have time to go to the pub and you know laugh about the footy and things. Uh, it's it's you actually probably need to sacrifice some of those nice to have uh, like probably sleep. what you need to have sleep could be one of them <laughs> uh, sleep was one for you, know, you I think <laughs> friendships social events mm-hmm. holidays I, you know only a couple of weeks ago I think I took my first holiday in seven years only for a, a weekend so wow. you know, that type of thing isn't the fun part of it but I think it's the, the required sacrifice if you you know have the audacity to I guess dream as big as we are and so that's t- so that t- uh punches through to uh, perseverance Steve uh, if you're talking to the listeners you got it with an idea is it about perseverance that gets you there or is it passion yeah it's, it's a good uh, way to think about it I think passion for me you know ties into motivation and for me motivation probably isn't reliable because there's some days you just don't want to get out of bed and it's cold and you just think I'm not motivated to so if you relied only on motivation you'd probably fall down a bit too many times uh, so for me it's all about discipline um, I think it's having some very structured routines every day to making sure you're getting what you need to get done. And then by the end of the week, it's success. By the end of the quarter, it's success. And, you know, you look back over three years and you think, okay, all those days added up to where we are today. But uh, not just probably passion because that's not going to get you through those hard days sometimes. Steve, to, to round up our conversation, and thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, in two sentences, let's put you on the spot here. What is your advice to listeners who have a really bad idea on paper? And let's be honest, when you went through it, you had all those naysayers. You couldn't go through the whole list because we would still be here. So a really bad idea on paper. But you know in your heart that you are onto a winner and that it's going to work and you need the perseverance and you need those sleepless nights. What advice would you give to listeners right now in about two sentences? Uh, for me, it would be find a mentor with experience you can leverage 
I think any idiot can learn from their own experience. <laughs> yes. Advantage comes from the experience of others. So, for me, you know, Sam Prince played that role in my life and my entrepreneurial journey. And the three years I spent with him before Shine to, I guess, watch and learn and practice entrepreneurship before going and play, I guess, for real, uh, that definitely helped me set me up for success. So, you know, if you're in a job or not in the entrepreneurial world already, you know, it's a whole new skill set. It's a whole new. Uh, mindset to think about it, I'd definitely try and leverage other people's success and find someone who can guide you along the path. Awesome. Steve, thank you so much. We do appreciate it. This will be podcasted for our listeners and we will get it out this evening um, on a live 90.5 for all our listeners if you've missed any of the call. Thank you once again, Steve. And for those of our listeners who want to go out and get your product, we've mentioned that there are in retail stores uh, across Sydney um, and you recently launching into 7-Eleven, if, if, if I'm correct? Uh, yeah, 7-Eleven next month, uh, Coles Express. We're in all the Caltexes, Harris Farm, Full West Metros, and the top Coles and Woolies across Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane. That's uh, that's a fantastic result there, Steve. And I know yeah. that is a significantly difficult task yeah. that you've and uh, an achievement that you've that you've that you've um, pulled out of the fire. So well done, Thanks, mate. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Steve. We're looking forward thanks, to seeing Leah. how that success goes. Uh, and thanks so much for coming on the call. And that's it for the Power Up Show, the special entrepreneur uh, edition with David. David, thank you so much. We'll see you in a month's time. Um, how was that? Absolutely. Was, that was lots of fun, <laughs> Mia. Yeah. I hope, uh, I hope most importantly our listeners um, got something out of that because Steve's a, he's a good he's guy. A he, how old is he? He's about 33, I think. He's, I think so. I'm not sure. Don't quote me. He'll probably <laughs> ring back and say, I'm um, 30. <laughs> yeah, because he's quite dynamic and in the Very. conversation I had with him, his mind, the way that that brain thinks, it's like uh, what I imagine having a conversation with Richard Branson would be like because he yeah. is all over the place and you're listening to him going, what on earth? And the next thing he brings it back in and you're going, oh my goodness, how are you thinking? This is amazing. Yes, exactly right. But I think the big thing is for uh, for Steve and I think for every other one of our listeners who He's thinking about the journey. Find someone to talk to and find somebody who knows the industry and knows and understands it implicitly to help guide you along the way. Beautiful. Uh, and next week we should have Paul back. We did close the text line today because we wanted to get through a significant amount of information with Steve. Paul, however, when you do listen to the podcast, your mother did send us a text message with the words, this is an awesome show. You should probably sack the pommy and keep David. So <laughs> all the love in the world to, to your mom. You have a great evening. That's us out on the Power Up Show and we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.